What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Coast to Coast NBA podcast. Back here with my friend Ronan Gain. How you doing, man? I'm tired. My mind's a bit fried. I've been uh, doing a lot of doing a lot of research to get uh, to get ready for for our mock draft here. But I'm uh, I'm ready to go, and I'm excited excited to see how we how we uh, how we pick it out. Yeah, I'm excited, man. We have been uh, anticipating doing this for a while, and it's crazy. Last week you had the NBA Finals. It ended, and I literally couldn't imagine that we already have the draft this week. So the whole weekend we've been looking at all the tape we've uh, could get our hands on. And looking back at our old draft takes, we did talk a little bit about the lottery. Uh, man, what was it like the beginning of the playoffs? It was a while ago when the lottery, uh, before the lottery had happened. But yeah, the lottery, yeah, the, yeah. the lottery feels like uh, feels like a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, before we get going, it's it's interesting. Do you feel like looking, getting a second look at some of these guys? Obviously, there's a lot more, you know news rumors analysis etc do you feel like any of your opinions have changed about some of these players drastic differences yeah i think we've seen we've seen changes mainly kind of probably guys later in in the lottery uh, yeah maybe jumping sure. up a little bit and then obviously there's a couple of guys that you just know you watch that bit more on them and, and you see different different things that you might not have seen just watching games when you're trying, it's kind of hard to just focus on the one guy you're focusing on there and then end up focusing on the team. There's certain things that you pick up from there. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think the, it seems like the first three, four feel pretty determined, which, which is the way it's been for a little bit now. Um, and it's interesting to see all the movement that's happened on big boards throughout different websites and team news throughout the league. And I think after looking at it, it will we'll come to the same conclusion that a lot of these guys that weren't on anybody's radars have jumped pretty high up. But the way this is going to work is Ronan has the tremendous honor of picking first in this year's mock draft. We're going to alternate. Um, we'll take a minute in between every pick, go on a quick break just so that we can uh, make the best choice for each of our teams here. So we'll be alternating and I have a pop quiz question before you go, Ronan, because you love these, these pop quizzes, all right? Let's see if I can get you. The last two times Magic had a number one pick, who did they take? Uh, well, Shaq was number one, right? Shaq yep. and, and Howard? Yeah, that was an easy. I gave you a gimme. Come on. I knew you were going to get that on. one. <laughs> I thought you would have had it sooner. But... <laughs> This year, the Magic finally have the chance to turn things around. So why don't we just dive right into it, Ronan? The, the clock is ticking. You're ready to go. Who are the Orlando Magic taking at number one? Well, with the number one pick, for me, the Orlando Magic are picking Jabari Smith out of our right. I think... He's a guy that has really jumped up in, in the last year. I think we talked about this before the college year. I don't think he was uh, even around the perimeters of the lottery at, at that stage. But since then, he's really grown. Still only 19 years old. And I think there's a really good chance that this guy could end up as the best shooter in this draft class. And that's while being a 6'10 forward. He can also guard multiple positions. He's very comfortable defending on the perimeter. And he's just a great fit for the Orlando Magic. He instantly fills a need that they have, which is floor spacing and shooting, 
while also being able to to defend, which is a big plus for him. Things he can probably improve on are, are likely his playmaking and his own shot creation. That's mm-hmm. something that you hope will come as you develop into the league. This is still a guy who's only 19, but we've already seen his commitment to improving his game, which is a big plus as well. And I think a lot of talk in the last few days that he's most likely the favorite to go number one. And I think I've got to agree. I think the, the shooting quality that he has has really tipped him over the edge for me. Yeah, you you absolutely nailed it for all those things. I love this pick. And, you know, it's the world's worst kept secret that Jabari Smith is going to go to the Magic. I think that's probably how it goes. And um, I think the one, one question for you here is for this number one pick, you know, the Magic need to, to nail a generational, a cornerstone piece. They've got a nice little core here. Is there any fear for the Magic, if you're the GM, any fear about, you know, does he have that it factor? You saw him kind of fade away a bit in the tournament and that shot making. Um, is there maybe a Mobley-esque issue that you see with him claiming to be that guy, to, to become that star that you want to get with that number one pick? Yeah, I think there's definitely a little bit of a fear here, but I, I think it's it's probably one that you would have for any of the, the top three guys or the guys that are being quoted as being most likely top three. I think there is a, a fear that he could just become what turns out to be a, a good pick. Maybe we look back in a couple of years, but I think if he's committed to grow, the Magic are committed to developing his best qualities. I think he can become a Nick guy in Orlando. Yeah, for sure. That that's definitely gonna be that's gonna be a great pick, and um, I don't think we need to go on break here for the second pick. <laughs> I think this is this is where it's mocked everywhere, and you know I I wish I could have got creative with this, um, but with the second pick, the Oklahoma City Thunder definitely are loving the chance at picking Gonzaga forward center big unicorn whatever you want to call him Chet Holmgren. And let me tell you why this is definitely going to be the pick, because you're going to see a lot of rumors out here. But the OKC Thunder, they value versatility, and they, as a team right now, they absolutely require length and defense. They love bigs that can grab and go in the open floor. And, you know, you look at these guys, and he's arguably has the highest floor and ceiling combination of these top three. When you look at a guy who could be a generational defender, he's going to immediately be an impact defender in the half court. It's going to immediately be an impact player in the fast break. And the questions about his size, his his strength really, and his weight, you know, I I think are questions that can be answered. And I think they're being a little bit overblown. And this smoke that you see about the Thunder thinking about Ivy or Sharp, there's just no way that happens. There's no way that happens unless there's a crazy blockbuster deal for them to move into the fourth or something like that. But with the second pick, the Thunder are more than happy to take a guy in Chet Holmgren, who is going to be fantastic next to Giddy and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They're going to have a great time having a guy who can shoot in the mid-range, who can space it out to three, who's a smart passer, an adept cutter. I mean, this guy on the OKC Thunder is definitely going to thrive. Yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a given. I, I, for a long time, I had him... At- at number one, I just uh, I think the fit for Jabari Smith with Orlando is a bit better, and that's why they're gonna they're gonna go for him instead. But I think Chet, obviously, like everyone says, like this is the guy that I think a lot of people 
want to believe has the, has the highest ceiling here. And the great thing about being an OKC, he's going to get time to develop. He's going to add that much-needed defense, like you said. And with the likes of Gideon and, and Shea, he's not going to have to have the ball to be a big impact player here because I think ball handling and playmaking is probably an area that he needs to grow. But it's good that he's going into a situation where that's not going to be required right off the bat. Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, what's the uh, what's the the chance? Well, what is the chance that OKC does something crazy here? Because maybe it's smoke. I think it's smoke. And you, everyone's got to think about that right now. Is that all these rumors and reports? You got to know that these teams are putting out as many smoke bombs as they can to influence their their draft position and their leverage. But what if it's real? What if the Thunder really, really love Ivy and they really love Sharp? And the fact is they have worked out Sharp the most out of any team in the league. They've worked him out the most. I mean, don't be, I won't be 100% shocked if somehow they trade down and finesse getting both Ivy and Sharp. I mean, it, crazier <laughs> things have happened, but I just don't see it. I think they're going to be a bit cuter and with all the picks they have, try and work their way up from the number 12 pick, which they also have. I don't think they'll they'll do anything with the number two pick. I think they'll yeah. make their selection. I'd, I'd agree. So you have a, another slightly easy decision here. It seems like the, the three picks, unless unless you surprise me. Unless you surprise me. Uh, something tells me I'm not going to be surprising you. With the number three pick, the Houston Rockets are going to be taking Duke forward Paolo Banquero. I think uh, this is an obvious pick. Uh, I think this is huge for Houston to be able to get a guy like this at number three. And the fact that he gets to come in to Houston and he'll just instantly be able to showcase his upside, that'll be the focus in here. It won't be the the slight weeks of his game. He'll get to come in, showcase the upside. And I think a lot of people are tipping this guy to already be in it. I already given him the crown of rookie of the year already. It's a, I haven't even seen him play yet. But I mean, the shot creation that this guy has, his offensive upside is huge. Arguably the most talented offensive threat all around in this draft. And he also brings great athleticism and versatility there as well. And I think you think about him and the two-man game with him and Jalen Green, that could be a serious duo. When we look, We are looking at this. We'll see glimpses of it this year, probably, but in uh, another couple of years down the line, it could be absolutely huge with Bankero punishing guys who can't guard him, who can't match him size-wise, and then just the ultimate speed of Jalen Green. It could be really scary. I think there you look with Bankero, still only a young guy, 19 years old. The def- the defense is, is an issue and the desire to be a good defender. I think sometimes he was willing to kind of take a back seat on defense and not really step up. And also kind of his touch and control inside is something he's got to work on, but you hope that will improve. I almost want to liken him a little bit to, to Jason Tatum, another former Duke guy. Uh, they kind of had that rawness about them, but they also, the upside far right way, the down. And we've seen Tatum be able to grow on the defensive end. He's grow with the ball in his hands and hopefully Frank Harrell can do the same. Yeah, I, I I love that comparison. And I think, think about it this way. Think about Bam Adebayo, that body. 
that is the kind of body that Paolo Bancaro has. But Paolo Bancaro is much more of a fluid athlete right now. I think as defensively, obviously not, not a close matchup, but in terms of physicality and bounce and strength, because that's the thing, Paolo Bancaro right now is a strong player. He's a strong power forward. Jason Tatum doesn't have that strength right now. And Paolo at the beginning, I think his passing right now too is totally being underrated. And this is my whole thing. This is, this is what's fascinating that it feel, it feels like an obvious Smith Chet one, two pick here, but a lot of scouts, a lot of teams look at Paolo Bancaro as the most talented player in the draft. Maybe the questions of defense, you know, but both these one and two guys have such a high floor and with Paolo Bancaro, it, it's a little bit difficult to project what he'll be defensively just because of his, his size. And he hasn't shown a lot, um, hasn't shown a lot in college. The effort questions are there, but man, for the Houston Rockets, thinking about offensively, because that, that's the thing. I mean, th- there's a huge possibility Jabari Smith just ends up being like off ball shooter. It's great. Really good defender. That's great. What if that's it? What if that's it? That's nice. That's really good. That's a very good all-star player. Same thing with Chet Holmgren. Like maybe that's a that's a defensive player of the year candidate year in, year out. That's very valuable. A guy who can who can space floor shoot, play make a little bit. That's great. But I think when people look at Paolo Bancaro and you imagine what he can do offensively at three levels and with the physicality, just even if he can get average defensively, this guy can be an absolute superstar. And the Rockets have two bona fide blue chip talents in Jalen Green and Paolo Bancaro. That is absolutely something to be excited about. So this is by no means one of those drafts where it's like, oh, we got the third guy. It's interesting that this third guy could be a guy like, I don't know, it's just a thought in my head, but a guy like Doncic where it's like, how did he drop a couple spots? How did he drop several spots? Um, but Paolo definitely isn't going past here. Um, and for this next pick here for the Kings at four, this is where it gets a little tricky. Mm-hmm. And let, do, you, do you want, do you have anything else on Bancaro before we no, move on? No, no, I think I've got, I think I've got, got it out of there. I think we got the praise. We're ready for that guy. And now we're ready for the Sacramento Kings. Number four. Yeah. So man, the, the Kings team, they don't have the chance to, to get up on stage and litigate and ask the crowd, phone a friend, but this is a tough position for them right now. They're going to be on the phones. I will say this. Kings are going to be on the phone. They're going to be trying to do something with this pick. Um, I, they want to win next year. And that's something everyone has to keep in mind. They don't just want to win next year. I should correct that. They need to. They've been given a mandate last year. They're given a mandate this year. They just picked up, as we know, the most infamous trade of the league last year. It's a bonus for Halliburton. And they need to win now. I'll say this with the fourth pick of the draft 2022, the Kings, if they're taking this pick, they are taking Keegan Murray. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You've, you've seen them have private dinner set up with Fox and Sabonis with Murray. That's just a dead giveaway. They're really testing if he's going to be a future guy there, the way he fills that role for them. um, Not just, Offensively, I mean, offensively, they have a guy who's going to be able to stretch the floor, who's going to be able to set screens, who's a really intelligent rebounder on the off, crashes offensive boards, and great shooter, great, great shooter. Um, 
De- defensively, I think in theory, he's a great switchable defender. And as a help, help side, weak side defender, he's fantastic. But I, I think um, I, I'm not going to rip on my own pick here, but I think this is a really tough position for the Kings to be in. They're, they're going to take him because he's the most talented, he's the most successful player in basketball, in college basketball this year. But th- this this pick, I think, is going to come with some some reservations. And I'm, I'm curious to see what you think, because I, I think this is a bit of a telegraphed pick as well. Most of the most of the reporting shows it. But what, what do you think of the Kings taking Keegan Murray at four? I think that's the most realistic for them if they are going to make the pick there. But I'm hoping big time that I'm hearing a lot of rumors that the Knicks are very interested in trading for that number four pick to try and get to try and get Jaden Ivey. I, I, I would love to see that because I'm looking at Jaden Ivey and, and thinking this guy could be... Russell Westbrook type player. I mean, the explosiveness that he has and his ability to finish at the rim is, is awesome. And I would love for the New York Knicks to get a guy like him because I think he could be the type of point guard that they need. Unfortunately, I don't know how he would translate in the current Knicks system. Would Tom Thibodeau let him go out and do his thing? I don't really know. But I think uh, that's, that's what I'm hoping goes and happens with this pick. But on Keegan Murray... I think yeah, the Kings if they're there you do not pick, they got they gotta go for him. He he's got the most most potential. He's already twenty two, so he could he, he could come in and already ha- be able to make an impact, which is much needed for them. As I heard it described uh, the other day, is they're in win now mode, but they don't have a win now team. The Sacramento yeah, Kings I know. the way the way that it is for him and King Murray. I think showed a lot this year. He showed a lot of growth. He sh- he had he's had a big jump. And I believe he could prove a serious steal at getting him outside of the top three when we look back on this in a couple of years. Really? That's mm. that's a big – calling him a steal at the age of 22 when there's other guys, that's that's a huge year. Why, I think, why are guys so old at 22 now? Come on. <laughs> I think you're – I don't know. I think there's a maybe uh, – it's, it's tough for me. It's tough for me. I, I'm picking this as the Kings, but so I have to take that into account. But I, I do want to rewind, though. Uh, let's give a little bit of backstage pass for for this mock draft. If you're the Kings and you're calling me, what are you offering? What, what are the, or if you're the Knicks, what are you offering me? What are you offering the Kings? I think they'd be willing to offer multiple first-round picks and possibly a couple of players. Well, who, who are those players? Don't know. RJ? They probably, they probably uh, would they get, could they get away? I think – Oh, they just won't. They won't do Randall, will they? I mean, I I would well, not be. I, I'm saying no to Randall. Yeah, you're saying no to Randall. Nope. I think it, I think it would probably be a three way trade. One that I saw earlier was with involving John Collins going to going to Sacramento and a few few other things like that. I think it'd probably have to be a three way trade. I don't think we'd be able to trade out for them because that would absolutely mean we'd have to give up RJ Barrett and I. I wouldn't like to see that. I'd, I'd generally be annoyed if that did happen. So I think it would have to be a three-way trade. You got to look at a team. I think obviously the Hawks are our main one. Possibly, oh, who else is there? Even the Pelicans, maybe. I'm not really sure who the other team would definitely be. But I, yeah, I think it would have to be a three-way trade to to actually get the Knicks yeah. before pick. 
Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll move on, but we'll identify these teams as we go on. But there's so many teams that, um, that this could be a crazy, crazy. And maybe you say this every year and I just forget, but it feels like it's going to be a crazy draft night where there's a lot of teams with other motives than just drafting the best guy available. And that can lead to a lot of movement, but let's move on to a team Pistons um, who unfortunately are at the fifth pick really wanted to get in the top three. Um, they lost enough to, to feel like they deserved it, but got some options here. So what, what's, what's happening over there in Detroit? Well, I've probably got to switch my pick now because I think if the, obviously you made the pick for the Kings, you went for, for Keegan Murray. I will, I actually had, I'd be going out, going at number four. So I drop him down to number five and say the Detroit Pistons will select Jaden Jaden Ivy at number five. Ooh. I think he's got so much upside, and I think him alongside Cade Cunningham could be a, a really great matchup. Obviously, I've already said about him, the size, the explosiveness, the ability to score, transition play, it's all... High level, unbelievable. The Pistons could really become a force in the open court. Where he needs to make improvements, obviously, defense is a big one. Um, shooting and isolation. Obviously, he can score the basketball, but in general, his shooting and isolation play is not the best. And you'd also hope he can improve his playmaking. Obviously, Cade would be the lead playmaker on the team, so it wouldn't be necessary for him to be really good at that right off the bat in Detroit. But I think those are areas he must improve. But I think the upside for Ivy, I think he's he's definitely worth a top five pick. And I think he could really become a, a highlight reel type of player at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So I'll bring this up. Most scouts will agree. Um, it's pretty apparent on tape that Jaden Ivy and Shaden Sharp just when you talk about outside the top three in terms of like elite athleticism, these two guys are absolutely in a natural line of their own. So if you're a team that's drafting purely, if you're valuing athleticism and you're valuing raw talent like that, these two guys are up there. They're four and five, maybe for even some people up, up there in the top three. Um, that is, that is not outside of, uh, reality. There are plenty of people who put these guys in the top three. How far off for you and you're making this list was Shaden Sharp from Ivy? I had him. I had him dropping, dropping, uh, dropping a, a couple of a few more places back just because. Really? Of the fact. Yeah. So if Ivy's not there, who you're pick? Who are you picking? Uh, Benedict Mathurin. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. You know, and that's not crazy. That, that's not crazy. I think there's, there's definitely a bit of a no, that there is absolutely more of a known quantity, but I think one thing that we'll see is the Pacers will, Pacers, um, a lot of noise is pointed to them really loving Jaden Ivey. He's obviously a Purdue guy. Um, but you know, it depends on say Pistons are fine with taking sharp or Ivy. They love both these guys. They got time to grow either of them. Um, maybe they've worked out sharp and they, they, maybe they even like him more than Ivy, but I think it's possible that Pacers are going to offer either Kings and Pistons the chance if they want to get Ivy, they'd offer Brockton. Uh, that's, they're really shopping him hard in this draft to move up. If you're the Pistons, are you taking that? 
just to move out, you're taking Brogdon. I think, they, I think they, you, you take Brogdon to, to move back one place. I think absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So you, you would you would take Brogdon as long as long as but then you would take Mithern. That that's interesting. But it, you would lose out on Ivy if that meant you could, you would take Mithurin and have Brogdon on your roster going into next season. Yeah, I think that's a good move. I think that's still, I think Mithurin still got a lot of upside. I think yeah, what he brings is still big for for this Detroit team. And obviously adding a guy like Brogdon, they probably would end up moving him as well because I think he's a guy that will probably, a, a, a few contenders uh, might like to add to their roster as well. But yeah. I think... In terms of that deal, to move back one place to get a guy like Brogdon and still have be able to draft a talented player, I think yeah, I think that's one hundred percent the Pistons would do that. Yeah. So I'm I'm here at six, Indiana Pacers, and I'm devastated. Zybie's gone, Keegan Murray's gone, and that that's an interesting game that's going to be played, right? Because I would definitely be calling the Kings. Pacers going to be calling the Kings, and. The Kings are going to be thinking, okay, who do the Pistons want? Because you said you had Keegan Murray up there. So if Kings traded down, Pacers take Ivy at four, Pistons take Murray, then Kings don't get either of their guys. So I, I think it might – we'll see how it shakes out there. But that that four, five, six spot there should be really, really interesting. Um, but at the sixth pick, Shaden Sharp will be going to – the Indiana Pacers. I mean, you just can't let him slip that far. You got guys like AJ Griffin here. You start going into kind of this next tier of your Dyson Daniels, your Mathurins of the world. Um, but you're kind of right on that edge. So I'm not sure if Pacers get interesting. They get spicy and they go deeper into the draft, but it's kind of a no brainer when you just look at the pure physical potential of. Shaden Sharp. This is a guy who could possibly end up being the best player in this draft if things work out for him in terms of getting into NBA shape and showing that the things that he showed in high school physically as an athlete, like his, his, <laughs> do you hear about his, uh, uh, potential, uh, vertical? Yeah. For, 40, 49, 49 inches, Yeah, 49 inch vert at six, five, six, six. I mean, he's this got guy seven, he's be, got a seven, uh, he got seven, uh, seven foot wingspan as well, which is pretty huge for a guy that size. I gotta see that. I gotta see yeah, that. Was that true. was that recorded? Was that was that recorded at the uh, combine? I think I just saw it. I think I just saw it on a on a draft board somewhere. I'm not sure. Oh, I, I got because I'm not sure if that got recorded at, at the combine or not. But mm. that would be. I did not know that. Six five with a seven. <laughs> so I mean that that's the thing. You're looking at a guy who who can play make who can be an electric athlete has shown the ferocity getting on the boards and I mean, defensively it's, it's different when you're talking about high school, but that's, that's a big question. I don't think the Pacers can pass up on a potential talent like that at six. Yeah. My uh, is a, it's a little bit higher than I had changed Sharp, but I think it's definitely something that could happen. I mean, like you said, the ability this guy has the upside and the confidence, the belief he has in himself I think he believes himself that he's going to be the best player in this draft class and maybe even beyond that. And obviously we've heard that we've heard that all before, but it's a, it's a great quality to have. And it'd be interesting to see how he would develop 
within the Indiana Pacers team because we're still not really sure what what way they the Pacers are really trying to develop this team. We've seen them trade away some of their older guys and their more experienced guys. We've they're still apparently shopping the likes of Brogdon and Turner this year. They've got in some younger guys, but they also got in Rick Carlisle. Is he really the coach you want for if you're going to go towards more of a rebuilding job? I don't really know, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Shane Sharp can bring, and not just as a rookie, but but even beyond that, because uh, if the upside uh, continues uh, going up, I think this guy could be a real electric talent in the NBA. Yeah. Trailblazers are up next at seven. That is a really interesting spot to be in. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's been different sort of rumors with them as well on what they might do with the number seven pick. It's still not 100% confirmed that that Dame is going to be there and they're still trying to build around him. Obviously, I mentioned how high I had my fur and I actually had originally the the. the Blazers looking at a guy like Dyson Daniels, but I'll go with mm. I'll go with Mathurin uh, at the at the seven spot for for the Portland Trail Blazers just Oof. because of a talent side. I think he can become a legit three and D defender and shooter, and I think his game will translate well right off the bat. I think he can come in and be an impactful impactful player. He's a six six wing. His three-point shooting is is really impressive. One of the best three-point shooters in this class. He's great off-ball scoring, which would be kind of good to see alongside likely, hopefully, Lillard and uh, Anthony Simmons. Uh, he's got great off-ball movement, which is always a huge plus for a shooter. He can re- he can do it in in transition. He's shown that ability. He's shown athleticism on that side. That it's the defensive consistency is not all there yet, but this is still a young guy. I think that can come, and I think he'd be able to develop his defensive game. You won't worry too much about shot creation and the playmaking because I think the Portland Trailblazers have other guys that are going to be able to do that, so it won't be too big of an issue for him. I just like I just like his uh, uh, his talent and the type of player that he can become. Legit three and D guy, someone all teams always want to have on their team. And that's why I think Benedict Mathurin to, to Detroit or to Portland at number seven. That's, that's really, that's really interesting. That's really interesting. I, I, I don't disagree with all these things you said about Mathurin on the positive end. And I think um, he's one of those guys that he shows a lot of, a lot of good things. Um, and you kind of wonder what, why he's not rising higher. And I think, Essentially, a lot of it is the the way that he scores at the college level. Um, he doesn't have that creative streak. He doesn't have the advanced playmaking. Um, but in terms of being a shooter and a slasher, and I think he plays with just this ferocity. And I think that's what I love about his game. So he's, a, he's a guy who has that intensity. I think that that matters at the next level. That matters in the NBA. Um I just wonder for the Trailblazers, would you, what would be some trades if you have any on your mind that you would consider for pick number seven? I have a couple if if you don't have any that come immediately to mind. Yeah, I got nothing off the bat. Yeah, hit me up. I'll I'll call you. I'll call you right now. It's the Raptors 
and I will trade you OG Ananobi for the seventh pick. Well, that's very, very interesting, I think. I think, yeah, that would be a bit brave for for uh, the Trailblazers to turn down. And I guess, I think if they were to turn that down, I think we would uh, we'd be having to think uh, along more of the lines of they don't know for sure what the, what the makeup of their roster is going to be come the start of the next season. I, I have a little intel on this. This is really, really interesting. Um, but they've met with Dyson Daniels, which is weird because, you know, they don't have a first one pick. So they're clearly interested in finding a way to sneak in here. And maybe, maybe they don't call you guys because Dyson Daniels is still there. Now A.J. Griffin has dropped um but they they definitely would be interested in calling and i know the blazers have interest in og ananobi they've made calls for og ananobi um what about jeremy grant or lou dort interested in either of those would those move the needle for you to, to move off of a talent like mathurin these if mathurin's at the top of your board here is that guy and his development worth more than the current impact you'd get out of a guy like jeremy grant Lou Dort or Andy Any of those guys surpass Probably that. not. So if, if Dame Lillard is still the lead guy and this is still mm-hmm. a team built towards winning, no. They got it. They 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 they'd have to make the move. But if that's mm-hmm. not for sure what's gonna happen if they were to trade away that and then end up losing Lillard anyway, then then, then Yeah, that's to tough. Win. Yeah. That's a tough line. That's that's a tough line to to, to walk and I think they just got to go. If if Dame is all in on it, and he's not said he's going to leave, like you got to, got to do something. But mm-hmm. interesting here. So we're now at the eighth pick. Another team, the Pelicans, who had a surprise run in the playoffs. They will definitely be thinking about shopping this pick. Um, shall I shall I discuss those first before we before we talk about the pick? So I think maybe that might be yeah yeah go a good way it. to start Let's here. But I think they also have the option if the Thunder want to move up because the Thunder would definitely be interested in a Dyson Daniels and a Johnny Davis and a Sohan, a Neeson. They'd be interested in taking one of those guys. The Pelicans take 12th pick and Dort. I think, I, I think they, I think they would. If that offers on the table, I think they would. And if the Kings take Keegan, maybe they're willing to move Barnes. Would the Kings be willing to then take another pick here? Maybe. Barnes becomes a little bit of repetitive for a guy like Keegan. They want to give as many minutes as possible. Now, the Hawks, are they moving Collins? That I think this is a, a trade partner that absolutely can make sense. Both the Trailblazers and Pelicans here, both on the table. Collins is the 16th pick. Maybe that's worth it. The Wizards, maybe you're getting the 10th pick in, in KCP. Pacers, this would be a crazy one. This would be a crazy one. The Pacers would be interested in Graham, this eighth pick, and Temple for Turner because we've heard the noise that Turner's also being shopped around still. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw out a few trades there. So both seven and eight could be traded out, and these are just a few ideas, few teams that 
it might happen. But alas, when we're in a mock draft, it's a little tough to, to rearrange like that. But just thinking about it, if they if they don't like any of these deals, if that if that doesn't really work out for them, looking at who they have available with the eighth pick, with AJ Griffin dropping down, absolutely they pull the trigger on that. AJ Griffin, he's a tough prospect because people are worried about the knees. He's had two knee surgeries already. He's 18 years old just getting back into the flow of things in his freshman year at Duke, which I think explains a lot of the aggression, some of the questions about him getting to the rim. But you did see him get a lot more aggressive at the end of the season, and he even talked about it as well. But this is a guy who shot 50% from three in college, 50%. You look at his form, it's pure. You look at his footwork, it's pure. He's a coach's son for a reason. You see, you see it on the floor. And he's a very, very smart off-ball player. And what I mean by that is he knows he's a good shooter. He knows how to get to his spots, and he knows how to use the lane. He knows when to cut. He knows when to get up, sink down to the corner. And little things like that on a team like the Pelicans, who are trying to contend next year, just plugging him in. I think he could. he's going to be a fantastic fit for a team that's revamped with Zion, playmakers, and defense, and what – A.J. Griffin brings on the defense side as well. He's going to be a great 3 and D player that at baseline will be a great contributor. And maybe if his knees, if they stay healthy, maybe he reclaims some of that potential that made him what a lot of people thought was a top five candidate in this draft. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I think uh, the injury is obviously the big worry if he's done with that and he's actually able to, to move on from that. Let's remember he's only 18 years old still. This could prove a real steal, I think. I know I'm throwing that out a lot today, but uh, I think Griffin is another <laughs> one. Obviously, yeah. he, he's had some things working against him, which means he's dropped down in the draft class, but the upside is there. The shot is there. He's got the physicality, and he even has a bit of potential. He's shown f- some flashes of being able to create for others as well. If the injuries are done and his defense can improve that bit, this is an unbelievable asset for a team that are looking to grow and looking to become a contender in the Western Conference. So nine, we have the Spurs up. Um, remember last year, what was it? The 10th pick or the 13th pick for the Spurs? Trying to remember. But last year they surprised and they take Joshua Primo way, way earlier. So now I'm curious, Ronan Gang, the GM, of the San Antonio Spurs. Where are we going here at number nine? With the number nine pick, I've got the San Antonio Spurs taking Jalen Duran out of Memphis. Interesting. Okay, I've I've heard some of this. What's what do we uh, what do we see here? The, the, a lot of the talk is around the Spurs has been that they're looking for a big to to come in and maybe ultimately replace Yako uh, Podol, who's in the the last uh, year of his contract. And that's why I think they're going to look at a guy like Duran. I think he instantly comes into the league and has a role where he can catch lobs for fun and be a, a really good shot blocker. He is 6'10", 250 pounds. He got a seven uh, a 7'5 wingspan. I mean, this guy is a beast. He's got really good rebounding. He's got size, athleticism. 
and on the defensive end, he brings a lot. He's he's very physically developed for a guy who's still only 18. You would not believe this guy is only 18 years old. He's still got potential to grow. He's probably not even fully filled out yet, and that's that's a really scary thought. Weaknesses for him, probably the offensive end, scoring, posting up, finishing. That Those are all areas where he can improve. But there's a there's an outside bit of potential there in terms of in terms of shooting that he could grow. And I think the Spurs are a great place to be able to do that. And I think he could easily come in and fill the role of Pirtle in, in his last year and then be able to take it on and take it to another level in the years to come. Big question here, because I, I think Spurs taking a center is fantastic. They haven't prioritized the front court in a while since since Aldridge left, really. Um, why Duran instead of Mark Williams, if you're prioritizing the front court here? I I do really like Williams as well. And maybe I, I kind of did it because I, I like his fit better uh, uh, where where I have him. But I think Duran can definitely, he'll be an instant impact coming into the league. I think he's the, the, the rebounding, I think, is big for him. I think the aside, more of the athleticism and the defensive potential, I think he's got more of ability to, to defend on the perimeter, to defend uh, multiple positions as well. Mm-hmm. And I think there is also a bit more potential for a bit more variety in his offense too. Yeah, I, I I'd agree with that. I think that's that that those are the margins. I think where both those guys will be picked at is: Do you think that Duran is showing more versatility? And the Spurs obviously would love to have a guy who has shown a bit more um, potential shooting wise. Mark Williams has been it's just completely completely hypothetical, um, but you know. And Duran also had, didn't shoot a single single three, and you know maybe maybe that comes along, maybe it doesn't. But he is younger; you give him a, a year and a half uh, edge there, and his frame he's a little bit he feels a little bit more mobile, lower center of gravity. Maybe he's a guy that can get with these these stronger wings. Well, where Mark Williams feels more like this DeAndre Jordan, prime DeAndre Jordan, Robert Williams type of. Uh, roaming uh, rim protector. Maybe Duran could be a little bit more mobile. Um, but yeah, 6'11", seven foot five wingspan. Um, he's just an absolute tank. And you got him and you got Jakob Pertl, like no one's scoring at the rim in San Antonio. No, <laughs> Nobody has a chance getting to the rim. But interesting pick. I, I do th- I do think the Spurs, Spurs go there. Um, no, I think you know, the next I, one's interesting too because I, I I'm liking uh, the Washington pick at number ten. I'm interested to see who you got there. Yeah. Um. So and before that, I, I do want to say that for the Spurs, they have this ninth pick and they have the twentieth and twenty fifth. Maybe they consolidate. You haven't seen them do that. They don't get cute. They don't try to trade down. They take their guy. I wonder if they go for an international guy like Usman Diego. I'll throw that out there. He's been rising up draft boards. And he's a big question mark, a wing, a six foot, or I, I think he's rumored to have grown to near like six eleven, seven feet tall, like a seven foot tall wing, um, three-point shooter, versatile international guy out of New Zealand. Usman Dieng, keep an eye on that name. If he goes ninth to the Spurs, an organization who we know loves 
their international products. We'll we'll see. I would not be that shocked. No, no, I think I think uh, uh, just the fact that it's the Spurs, I think it's definitely uh, definitely something that could be on the cards. Yeah. For ten, um, Wizards are still in the spot, just like the uh, just like the Trailblazers. They're never willing to blow it up. Beal has apparently made his decision, but won't tell anybody. So it's just such a weird situation. So many things could be unveiled during draft night. So many things. Um, and the Wizards, that's just another storyline where that's that's a big deal. Tommy Shepard's like, oh, we'll we'll just play, we'll play Beal at the point guard. Who knows, who knows what will happen? But one thing we got to consider with the Wizards, they're stacked with young forwards. They got Avdia, they got Hachimura, they got Kispert. Is Kuzma still young? I don't know. But with what's left on the board, Wizards are happy, ecstatic actually, to be taking Dyson Daniels mm-hmm. at the 10th pick. Dyson Daniels, that's a guy that you really got to look at the tape to understand, understand just how good he is. I mean, his versatility is amazing. There, there's no hole that you can put poke in his game except for the shooting, and the shooting is something that scouts across the league have been talking about. At the end of the season, he shot much better in the G League, and in the draft workouts, he's been lights out. People have been saying he's been stroking it. And this is a guy that offensively, I mean, he's got playmaking in the open court. He can playmake in the pick and roll. He's even shooting now on the pick and roll. Like Again, the percentages weren't great, but on tape, it's something that he can do at the next level. Catch and shoot. He's a very, very intuitive cutter. I mean, when he's when he's uh, on the opposite side of the ball, he knows when to get to the rim. And I, I think that when you look at his tape and you look at all the intuitive things he's doing as a playmaker on ball, as a cutter off ball, as a shooter, knowing to get to his spots for his for his guards to get him the ball. I mean, offensively, I think he's going to fit anywhere he goes. He can fit anywhere he goes. And just that vision, I see him as a kind of like a kind of a Jason Tatum like playmaking guard. I, I think he makes really great reads at such a young age. Mm-hmm. And with his six eight frame, he's able to pass over defenders. And I think he's got a good enough handle to get into the paint and kick out. And I think he's got a really great feel to do something like that on a team like the Wizards that really, really need that. And you talk about what they've been trying to do last year, trying to become a better defense. At 6'8", with his frame, he's a fantastic wing defender. He's going to be able to guard one through three, some of these rangy fours that they got out there. And I think he's going to be able to do it confidently. Um, He's got really great patience and really good uh, uh, physical base. I mean, he knows how to use his chest. He knows how to use his length. And in the NBA, I think he'll look huge out there. So... The eighth pick, I think the Wizards, I don't know if this is a steal, but I think this is a sneaky good pick. He's going to be a guy they expect to be a good starter for a long time. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. Obviously, defense is the big thing for him. Obviously, he brings he, that's, that's it's really impressive, the versatility he has. I think we see they've taped in the MVG League. You've seen him guard nearly every position. Maybe he might not be able to do that right off the bat in the NBA, but that could uh, that could soon change. He can definitely do one, one through three, like you said, easily. Uh, I'm really excited about the playmaking, obviously the patience he has and the vision and the fact that for such a young guy, he's consistently makes the right reads, which is which is a big plus. And I also like that one, probably arguably his biggest strength in uh, in terms of shooting and that is his float game. And I, I like the idea of that uh, 
uh, having a good flow game match with good passing. Yeah, I like that as a, as a combination, and I think that will really help him score early on while also creating for others. And he's definitely going to come in straight off the bat and be be an impact player. And if he gets to play with uh, a scorer like Beal and like if uh, Kuzma can kind of uh, take another step up, I think he could be a real great fit in Washington. Absolutely. So we are here at 11 for your Knicks. You you weren't able to get up and, and get your your Jaden Ivy. What a pipe dream, huh? You, you guys just always find new ways to disappoint yourselves. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm still got still got the hope that we can get up and get uh, get get Ivy at uh, at the four. But if not, I think at number eleven, I believe that the Knicks will take uh, Johnny Davis out of Wisconsin. Yeah, all right. I thought he might he could even go a little bit higher than this. Um. 6'5 wing, got defense, he's got size and strength for his position. He's got really good footwork, which helps him helps him move on the perimeter. He's the offensive upside is there outside of probably the, the three-point shooting and maybe a bit of kind of creating for himself. He kind of can struggle a little bit. But this guy's got serious competitive spirit. He's got a motor, he can go hard all night. And his driving and finishing at the rim is is really good for a guy of his size. Obviously, when you think of a wing, you want to you want to be ideally a three and D kind of guy. Maybe that's something that he can develop into. But I think the defense will be there right off the bat. Just a question of can he become a better three point shooter and at least a guy that other teams have to think about when he's on the perimeter. That'd be a big plus for him and a big plus for any team that drafts him. But I believe he'll be able to have an immediate impact on the defensive end. And I think there is room there for growth on the offensive end. Yeah, I, I like I like that pick because he feels like a he feels like a guy that Tom Thibodeau would absolutely be giving minutes to, especially with his effort. Um and I I, th- I think though, I, I am worried about whoever the Knicks end up taking that that they're they're gonna get lost offensively. Like they and that's a bigger that's a bigger thing for the Knicks is is not you know that whoever they're drafting shouldn't be helping them become a better team in terms of like fixing their offensive troubles like that's that's a massive issue but I think he definitely fits that Tom Dibodeau culture um as as a GM if you, if you had to be a GM today though how much do you care about Tom Dibodeau culture is that is that the pick? How much does that influence your pick here? It shouldn't. It should have it little to no no impact on your decision. Yeah. Uh, question: How how hard was it to pass on a guy like Jeremy Sohan or or Tari Eason to really stud wing big defenders? That I mean, again, we're talking about it, but Tom Thibodeau loves his defense, and these are two guys who I think could be elite defensively in the NBA. Yeah, I guess the options were there. I I, I just I, I just what I've seen uh from from Johnny, I just I, I really like the fit and I think it's a position that we needed and a guy that can come in right off the bat and have an impact, which is important, which will mean he'll actually be able to get minutes in his rookie year, which I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. Um moving down, we got the Thunder again at 12. And if they don't use this pick, 
to move up and package Lou Dort. Maybe they they try and do something crazy, package a ton of picks. If they love Sharp, if they love Sharp, I don't know, maybe they throw a kitchen sink at somebody. Because again, this is a team that's they've had the most workouts, most meetings with Shaden Sharp. Um, you still got Jeremy Sohan out there. And I think you look at your options, called around. I think Jeremy Sohan is a pick. They really need to shore up defensively and at 6'9", 230, just an absolute beast of an athlete. Like he he has he has Ben Simmons vibes to him. Like with his his strides, but his nimble footwork and his ability to quarterback a defense. I think he could switch. He play the drop. He could legitimately, legitimately cover one through five from day one. I think he he absolutely can cover one through five, especially in today's modern NBA. That's a guy you throw onto a Thunder team that wants to play in the open court, that really needs a physical defender. And I think, you know, he has such good feel for the game. You see a lot of these elite defenders have like that high IQ and he shows that on the court with his playmaking. He's not a shooter. You can't do that. But as a connective piece, I think he's going to be able to be a important cog in an offensive system where he can at least go for dribble handoffs. He can at least pass in the short role. And I think there's a role for him on a team like that, even though he doesn't have shooting right now, because that's, that's a big knock. He won't probably ever be a shooter with how bad his stroke is. It's, he has a broken shot, but as a defender, as a smart team, I mean, communicatively too, you want to have a guy who's going to be a defensive leader and he's absolutely fills that role. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, you wonder how much LKC want to bring in defensive talent just because I think uh, there's a lot of talk that they're really determined to trying to do all they can to make sure they have the, uh, the number one pick uh, next season. I think uh, that's something that's yeah. been mentioned, but I think it's a, it's a really smart play. You got to take these chances when you get them. And if they are picking at 12, I think, so has it ought to be the guy that they go for. I think the, the defense is big and the fact that he can come in right away, fill a gap for them. And he'll also provide important cover for the like, they're more kind of uh, flashy offensive players like Giddy and like, uh, like Shea Gilgis Alexander, who maybe need that extra bit of cover on the defensive end. He, imagine him and home, Holmgren adding that into what they have at the moment. I think that, that, that really boosts them up a lot. Yeah. Oh, man. That's I did yeah I, I didn't even think about that and I and I picked Chet for Thunder, <laughs> but how excited yeah you, you think about Chet and Sohan I mean they that that is a sneaky recipe that is a sneaky recipe right there to vault into the plan you got you got SGA um, Giddy's got a, a year of development and he's clearly got the elite passing chops to be a lead kind of guard in this league. And Lou Dort is improved as a shooter every year. Still great on ball. They have Dort, Sohan, and Chet Holmgren as elite defenders and two guards who can facilitate that. That would be a really fascinating turnaround. And one question that I wanted to kind of intersperse into this whole mock draft was thinking about some teams here that because of this draft, what if they jump up? Can they jump up? And maybe this is a combination here where the Thunder sneakily go from being this top three worst team in the league and jumping into a play-in situation next year if that defensive synergy works out to the highest um, possibility. 
yeah yeah wouldn't like i mean let's be real crazy crazier things have uh have happened in this league i mean uh the like only- the Cavs. Yeah, yeah, it could be could be a similar sort of uh, similar sort of way to the Cavs. I mean, you look what they've done; they did within a, a year or two. I think it's definitely an area that can grow. And if things come in and all click, that's all things uh, coming together perfectly, which we know doesn't happen too often, <laughs> especially in OKC. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, there's definitely there's definitely a potential there for them. We got Hornets here at thirteen and fifteen. Cavs smack right in between them. Uh, so Hornets thirteen fifteen rather. You Michael Jordan have, have you hired? Uh, have we gotten word yet today? It seems like it was heating up. Did they hire their head coach? No, they Is were that... only they were they were interviewing D'Antoni I think again today. Yeah, really that's interesting. To, desperate to make you turn Lamelo into the next James Harden. Is that the way they're doing it? <laughs> Maybe, but because that that has to matter a little bit. Um, who is going to be coaching uh, two new players or maybe? They don't want these two guys. They, they want to move up. Um, so there's there's something to be done here with the 13th and 15th pick. Let's hear it. Well, I think they're going to they got to be smart and they got to get what they, they really need at number 13 and not take any chances. And that's why they're going to take Mark Williams out of Duke. I think he is uh, very much the partner that they've wanted to get for LaMelo Ball since they drafted him. He is a legit rip rim protector and a lob guy. Might not add too much more outside of that, but he's going to be elite at doing those two things, and that is exactly the type of guy they need uh, uh, playing with a guy like Lamelo Ball. Last year, we saw he, him get the uh, ACC Defensive Player of the Year honors. He's got steady offense, good finishing, and great hands for for a big guy. And then the size and length he brings is huge. He's seven foot one, got a seven eight wingspan. This guy can be dominant in the paint on the defensive end and the offensive end. And him and Lamelo together, I think that could be uh, that could be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, that I think this is actually one of my favorite team pairings in this draft. If Mark Williams lands with the Hornets, with the way they love to get to the lob, Mark Williams is just going to look like an absolute animal. And what do they need the most? They need a interior presence. They need a defender. And for a guy uh, at his frame, I mean, he's, I think he's his standing reach. He's three inches below the rim. Three inches below the rim. Pretty good. And <laughs> seven foot two, 250 pounds. I believe he was a, I think he recorded like a seven, five, seven, seven wingspan. I mean, he's yeah, just. Seven, eight. Un seven eight was it seven eight? Mm-hmm. Just un unreal, unreal. Um, obviously the concerns are there for the shooting, but you know that's not what he does. So you're, you're drafting him for what he does. He'll immediately be able to do what he does, and maybe that comes out like there's everyone loves to point to a few jump shots here and there where hey that looked pretty good, but guess what he did that like five times. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so I, I think that is a smart pick. Hornets are going to take him, but I, I do wonder is there some gamesmanship if if they want to take uh, somebody with higher upside there and know that the Cavs aren't going to pick Mark Williams at 14 because obviously they got Jared Allen and they got Larry Markinen and this guy named Evan Mobley. So probably not going to take Mark Williams there, right? So I, I wondered if that's it's something they do. Um, and I bring that up because if the Hornets get cute there and you're saying they don't want to get cute, they just need, they want to get Mark Williams in there. Um, I wonder if the Cavs, my Cavs here at, at 14, 
if say you guys took someone else, like you got a, a, um, Oche, I'm so bad. Agbaji, Agbaji. I should have practiced this before this. <laughs> Oche, Agbaji. Say they take him and the Cavs talk to a team like the Hawks who really love a Mark Williams type guy. They, they really want to revamp their center position. Maybe they talk to the Bulls who really want to revamp that center position. Maybe there's a deal to be made there. If they, if the Hornets let Mark Williams slide, don't be surprised if the Cavs move down a little bit to get some value because someone's really excited to get in on that. But alas, you guys are smart. You guys take Mark Williams. And the Cavs here, I think they're they're a team who's going to – I wonder what they're going to do because they've preached patience. They are not trying to develop too fast, but I think they do realize that they're on the cusp of, of being a good playoff team. If they were healthy, they would have been right in the mix. And I don't know, do they, do they reach for a surprising pick here? I think there's a couple couple guys here who actually are not even in the top twenty in some of these uh, some of these mock drafts, but I think would be fantastic fits. Can I get crazier? I only want one fit. What's the pick? Cleveland Cavaliers, the number fourteen. What? Who are they taking at number fourteen? <laughs> oh, I I gotta say that pick is in. You got to take Usman Dieng. Got to take Usman Dieng. He's he's fallen too far. You look at a lot of the the new mock drafts out there. You look a lot of the the scouting reports, and more people have paid attention to this international prospect. If the Spurs are not taking him, nobody's taken him before fourteen here. I think you got to take this guy. I mean, he's he might be one of the highest upside guys in the draft, similar to your Shaden Sharp, at six foot ten. He's a fluid ball handler, can create space. The shooting mechanics are absolutely there. Obviously, the results aren't there. That the shoot we don't. <laughs> let's not talk about the twenty-one percent from three, or uh, the complete lack of um, what is it, forty percent true shooting, I believe. But just the pure potential there. The Cavs are in a good spot. They can take a swing, and I think they take this guy. He's also can fit into that system as a very versatile defender. He's got really nice footwork that can help him switch on to smaller guys. He's obviously got the length to defend wings in this league. So you're not going to be in this position for long if you're the Cavs. You think you're going to get better. Why not take a swing? I think at 14, they're happy to take a guy like Jang. Yeah, I think, I think I'd think i agree. I, I, I originally had him going at, uh, going at 12 to OKC, so I think this would be a great pick at 14 for, for Cleveland. We'll see the defensive versatility straight off the bat. We'll see the impact there. And that's obviously something that the Cavs are clearly, they've turned to. They want to improve their defense. They did it last year, bringing in Mobley. And the length and like this, the fluidity the guy has is, is really, really impressive. And it's another guy that can add defensive protection, obviously, with especially if they're going to continue with the backcourt of, uh, of Garland and Sexton. They're going to need guys who provide length and provide... A good perimeter defense to uh, to kind of make up for what they're lacking on that end. Uh, the playmaking potential is there as well. I think that's a that's a highlight for him too. The worry, obviously, you mentioned the scoring and the, the shooting is there. There's a bit to bit to be desired there, but still, just a young guy. He's going to be capable to develop if he can grow out a bit more. The the size and strength wise, and even put on a bit of weight. Is going to be important. What sort of program, whatever team drafts him, gets him on to 
to get him up to size to be a competitive player in this modern NBA. That's going to be important. But I think the upside's there. And if you're getting him at 14, I think you got to go for it. You're not going to give him the the S word? You're not going to claim him as a steal? No, no, I'm not going, I'm not going to go that far. What? Yeah. Who did you say was a steal first? You said, was it Jaden Ivey at four was a steal? No, no, who, no. Who no. Was Keegan, it? Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray at four was a steal, but you're not going to call Usman Dieng at 14 a steal. No, I used Get it out too much. Here. I already used it. I've already said it twice. I can't say it again. <laughs> Do you want to know my crazy name that I, that I thought of that I really was wondering if I'm going to pull the trigger? Jalen Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, mid-major school. He's another guy that's been shooting up uh, draft boards. Him and, and a guy like uh, like Branham, a couple of guys who've been jumping out of the, the late 25 to 30 and going all the way as close to some boards as 10 to 15. Um, that That's a guy to keep an eye on. Maybe I'll talk about him in a minute yeah, here. We'll but... talk sleepers later. He's definitely he's a guy I had as a, as a potential sleeper. Uh, but uh, okay. the final pick we're going to do here, we're gonna, we've done the lottery there with the top 14. We're going to go for one more, the number 15 pick. It's the Charlotte Hornets yet again. And with the number 15 pick, I have them selecting Oche Agbaji out yep. of Kansas. So I think this could go either way. They could take him at 13, get Williams at 15. I think this is a very likely duo that, uh, that Charlotte uh, get. Uh, this guy is a... Uh, Serious catch and shoot three player. I think he can knock them down straight off the bat. 22 years old. So you hope that he's in position to be able to come in and, and make an impact straight away. Good transition scorer. The potential is there on the defensive end. He's tough and he's physical, but at the moment, he probably doesn't measure up to the level you probably need to be at to be a, a plus defender in the NBA. But I think that's an area he can grow on. The things he probably needs to, to, to deal with are probably the likes of the ball handling and playmaking, but when you're playing alongside the mellow ball, you're not going to have to do too much worrying about that because he's going to gonna take charge on that side of it. The potential is there for this guy to be a really good three-point shooter and a decent defender for a guy of his size, and it could be a re- I think it would be a good fit uh, in Charlotte. Or your player, and that's that's the – that's a moniker that most players want to avoid in any draft. And definitely as a senior, this guy is certifiably in the draft old, old as dirt. <laughs> I don't like this pick, man. I don't like this pick anywhere in honestly the top 20. And maybe that's crazy to say for a guy that, you know, if you look at his stats, you know, solid 37% as a career shooter, in uh in Kansas went from 31 all the way to 41 percent in his senior year but I'm I'm skeptical and the reason I'm skeptical if you look at his splits he was shooting I believe in the first half of the season he was shooting 20 some percent from three it was like abysmal and then it jumped all the way up into the 40s in the in the second half um and it was on volume, so maybe he just got hot, but there's just too many times in his career that you look at it and he just has really cold stretches of shooting. And I'm, I'm curious if that affects him in the NBA where, you know, he's had four years to prove it, if he can be a consistent shooter. And if you're not a consistent shooter in the NBA, I mean, he's just going to be 
a six five wing defender. You can defend probably def- definitely defend twos and threes, maybe defense ones, but I'd I'd be excited to see the Hornets take take another um, guard here. I actually was hoping maybe they take a guy like Ty Ty Washington, let Lamelo Ball play a little bit more off ball, and leverage his long range bomb shooting. And they haven't. Who do they have really as a backup point guard? That's legit. They they don't have anybody. Ty Ty Washington can fit right in there. Yeah. But if if he turns out, I mean, if if Abaji is as as advertised as that legit three and D guy, if he stays consistent there, I mean, that is a fantastic pick for them. I'm just a little skeptical on if, if that percentage is going to hold up in the NBA. Yeah, I think they, I think the skepticism is absolutely, absolutely fair. But I think uh, that rounds out that rounds out our mock draft. I think, uh, I, I think we did pretty good there. I liked, uh, I liked the variety. I don't think we overlapped on our picks too much. So I think. Uh, I think we did pretty good. I think this is exactly how the draft is going to play out. Now we should be GMs for all these teams. <laughs> you know how you're always wrong about everything. I, I can't wait and players will shut you up. Uh, Shade and Sharp will definitely have a word with you uh, in a few years time. That mm-hmm. ranking Benedict Mathurin as a better prospect over uh, Shade and Sharp. That is quite the spicy take, Rodin. <laughs> <laughs> I did call him steel too, didn't I? <laughs> yeah <laughs> Benedict Mathurin at, at seven at eight. Oh man um can we give it a couple uh a couple what are these honor honorable mentions favorite sleepers Let's give us whatever. A, we'll each give our, our number one sleeper anyone that could go uh, anywhere deep in the first round to to late maybe even late in the lottery late in the teens who, who do you got as your number one and that sort of that sort of mode? I thank you for asking I thought you never asked EJ Liddell, EJ Liddell is a junior coming out of Ohio State, 19.4 points per game on 60% true shooting, 37.5% from three, eight rebounds and 2.6 blocks at six, 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 seven, depending on who you ask. But he's a guy who I know we hate comparisons, but you can't help but think of a Draymond Green type of guy with his size. His favorite players, P.J. Tucker, Grant Williams, Draymond Green. He's not a guy that you're taking in the lottery that's going to be like this, this hyper-scoring wing athlete. That's just that sexy pick. But he's absolutely going to be a guy for whatever team takes him, and I hope he goes to the Bulls. That's going to be a great switchable defender. He's a fantastic shot blocker, especially like when, when he's like in weak side rotation situations. He's always got his eye on the ball. He's always – able to make those reads and be a great communicator. And I, any team that takes him, he's going to immediately make their defense better if they're using him correctly. And as a shooter, there's definitely potential there. Um, you haven't seen it over the course of his career, but he was going to get going to the draft last year. Nobody wanted him. And they're basically like, you need to become a better switchable defender and you need to shoot threes. This year he shot 37.5% from three. He defended one through five. That's a guy who's going to get better every year, going to meet the demands that you ask him. And he just looks like that kind of P.J. Tucker dog type of player already at the age of 20, old age of 21 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I, I like that one. I think I've seen plenty of boards that even have him going 
as a lottery pick. I think a lot of people really? believe I've seen a couple, maybe they, they're a bit of a few of the older ones and he's maybe dropped down a little bit, but I think he's definitely a guy that a lot of people like, and a lot of people believe can be, be a very good impact player at the very least in the, in this NBA. For me, the number one, I went to a, a bit of an outside. I went for, for Jaden Hardy. Yeah, that he is interesting. A G League, G League guy. This is a guy who early in 2022 was actually being projected as a top five pick, and obviously it's always you always kind of worry a little when the guys slide down, uh, slide down the board that much. But I think the scoring of the scoring talent and potential for this kid is really huge. His range is deep and the scoring instincts you see them already at, at the uh, at the G League level I, I'm like I'm looking at him and I'm thinking Tyler Hero Jordan Poole I'm getting those sort of vibes I mean we've seen them both be huge impact players and I think if Hardy can't come in and be a quality starter in this league he can definitely become a, a serious six man uh, spark plug scorer off the bench yeah, I, I th- I'm I'm curious about him. I'm really because he, he feels like a uh, a um, what's his face on the Nets? Uh, Cam he feels like a Cam. He feels like a uh, Bones Highland on the Nuggets. Like you said, best case scenario is a, a Jordan Poole type of player. Tyrese Matt Maxi. It's like all he's a he's a bucket getter, and he was one of the best players in the country. And going into the G League, I mean, he shot twenty seven percent from three. That's 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 tough. That's really tough. Thirty-five point seven percent on pull-up two-point jumpers, and forty-eight point two percent true shooting. For a guy who is a bucket getter, that's a really tough mark. But the athleticism and just the look of it, just the look of his game. I mean, you, you wouldn't think that if you just well, if you just pulled up his highlights and you, and you watched the kind of buckets he was getting to and the way he's getting to his spots and just have a pure of a shooter he is, you'd be shocked that he shot that badly. But what, I wonder what team, do you have a team in mind that maybe would, would take a risk on that? Cause you, you, you go, you go down the line. There's a lot of teams that I don't know if they're willing to take a risk on a guy whose only calling card is shooting and shot creation and shot that badly. I think, I think he could go, he'll be a guy that goes deeper, but when we, I think this is kind of a guy who'll probably go in the twenties, and then we'll maybe look back in a couple of years and thinking this is a really smart pick for whoever, whoever's uh, able to, to get him at that sort of range. I won't say steal, but a smart a smart pick. <laughs> uh, I think maybe even Philly. I think are Philly picking a 24? They're 23. Are they going to take a Tyrese Maxey uh, clone that shoots worse than him? <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't be crazy. I think think of the, yeah. the growth we've seen in Maxey uh, – as a as a 76er that's been big and uh, like i think he, if he's coming off the bench for them and he can have a bit of a bones highland sort of impact in his first year i think that's a that's a good that's a good move for for the 76ers dude you, you know who who who's probably going to take him at 28 imagine the golden state warriors get jaden hardy do you know just the immediate reactions from the world Remember when they they got um, Jordan Bell, 
and he plays one game and everyone's like, how did we let the Warriors get Jordan Bell? Are you kidding? How did we let them get Jordan Poole? Guys who like, you know, no one cared about in the draft and all of a sudden they were just awesome there. If they just had a Jordan Poole 2.0, that would be exactly how this draft would go. Yeah, and get to work out with uh, with uh, some of the some of the greatest uh, shooters in the NBA. Three yeah. of them in uh, pool, Clay, and uh, the big dog Steph. I think that'd be uh, pretty pretty unbelievable. Yeah, and it wouldn't, <laughs> you know, it wouldn't wouldn't surprise me either. I'd say that's a, he's definitely a guy the Warriors are, are looking at uh, around that mark. Yeah. Um, all right, that was fun, man. I I think I have the complete opposite opinion. I think we probably got this completely wrong. And because I think there's gonna be a lot of trades. I, I, I this is this is gonna be interesting. You, you mentioned that some of these guys are are shooting up, uh, like a EJ Liddell going into the the lottery. I think some of these teams are gonna make dumb picks like that. I mean, who knows what the Blazers, Pelicans, Wizards, Knicks, Hornets are gonna do? Teams that aren't really sure where they're at in terms of their contending status or playoff status, and this is all an effect of the the playing tournament, but. After three, man. After after five, really, the things are going to get crazy. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. I think you should definitely make sure you're watching on draft night because uh, there's going to be a lot of change, and not just within the drafts. I think some other uh, some other changes could uh, could go on around around draft time. It's gonna it should be should be an exciting day on uh, on Thursday. Well, everybody, thank you for hanging out with us uh, today on this mock draft. We'll see what happens on Thursday. We'll see just how wrong we are. And we'll be back to talk about it next week. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Coast to Coast. Don't forget to hit us up on Instagram and Twitter at Coast to Coast NBA Podcast to hear your takes discussed right here on the show. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.